0: All right, y'all, you're locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we're talking about the ups and downs from the Falcons 27-23 win over the Seattle Seahawks, how the defense came up big, rebound performances for Kyle Pitts and A.J. Terrell, and how the Falcons were able to swerve away from my breaking point with Marcus Mariota. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Serious Black, a.k.a. your very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta Podcast family, your team every day, and we thank everyone that makes Locked on Falcons their first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked on Falcons is free and available on Monday through Friday on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and of course, YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Falcons on YouTube. Hit that bell, give us a like, and you'll get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops so today we are finally doing a rapid reaction talking about a falcons win this season as you guys well know i don't expect a lot of these wins to be coming this season so i'm happy that we finally got this one because it was gonna be it was gonna be a tough if we had to keep churning uh, through these losses uh it was gonna be very tough mentally and emotionally for me Moving forward, but we saw a lot of things that we wanted to see from this Falcon team. We saw an explosive offense, uh, particularly early in the game. The Falcons finished this game with seven, 20 plus yard plays two from Kyle Pitts. We'll get into him a little bit later, Uh, but they had four combined explosive plays in the first two games game. So they almost nearly doubled that today. Um, The offense was able to really get things going. Then things kind of petered out uh, late in the, in the second quarter, but six of their uh, seven explosive plays came on the first three series uh, all ending in, in, points those first three series uh, to give the falcons a 17 10 lead going in midway through the second quarter then of course the defense got gashed uh by the seahawks on the ensuing possession that tied the game 17 17 and up to this point you know when i was thinking about okay what are we going to talk about with Marcus Mariota at this point? I'm like, it's probably going to be another nitpicky week on the podcast, right? Where there's ups and downs, right? We'll get into some of those later. Uh, and then you had that one of the downs was like the uh, interception at the end of the first half where Arthur Smith in his post game presser kind of fell on the sword there saying he got greedy. Uh, dialing up a shot play with five seconds left with the Falcons, you know, should have potentially just ran the ball or kneeled on it, you know, to take that 20 to 17 deficit that they were down at that point into halftime, knowing that they would get the ball back and start the second half. But, you know, he, Fair, he got greedy, uh, but you also don't kind of expect your quarterback to throw a nearly a pick six in that instance. Fortunately, it wasn't a pick six because he got the defender got tackled uh before he was able to score. But uh, you know, you expect your quarterback to check the ball down, so it's just like, okay, Marcus, like what are you doing here? Um and the Falcons kind of realized they are other ways, <laughs> putting the game in Marcus Mariota's hands, and they sort of came out in the second half running the football. Uh, he did have Mariota that is have a fumble on that opening series uh, in the third quarter. And, and so the Falcons were just like, okay, like we definitely have to commit to running the football. They fed Cordero Patterson on the next series. He was able to get the team in scoring position and I got to give Mario the credit, right? He did make a big time throw in the red zone to get the Falcons. What would prove to be the final score of the game to push their lead to 27, um, 23 uh, sort of, making a big time throw to to Drake London. This was at the end of the third quarter uh, for what that final score of the game was, you know, the Seahawks blitzed, you know, Mariota London was his hot read. The ball came out quick. London was able to break that tackle score in a 14 yard play. And yes, I'm talking Drake! about. <laughs> Drake. Drake. Yes. So Drake was, was cooking in this game, made a big play there. Um, and, and that type of play, that type of throw has been basically what I've been complaining about with Mariota all season long. Uh, you want to see you know, right. him to read it, see it, throw it, boom, touchdown in the red zone. And we just haven't seen that player regularly showed up in, in the red zone and wasn't really the case earlier in the game. But on that particular drive, it, it was. So we were going into the fourth quarter. Uh, with the Falcons having this 27 23 lead, you know, the Falcons are able, the defense is able to get a stop, basically forcing the Seahawks to punt for the second time all day. Um, and, you know, the Falcons decide, okay, we're going to start salting the way to the game. We're going to run conservative stuff, right? We're going to run the ball to Cordero Patterson. We're going to throw high percentage passes, like screen passes to Drake London and Kyle Pitts, you know, Patterson run, you know, they're just sort of mixing and matching this thing. And then, of course, we're about seven minutes to go. We get a drone interference that sort of the game, and you're probably sitting there going, "Like, what? Drone interference? Yeah, uh, basically, there was an unidentified flying object, which proved to be a drone, over the stadium that they had to pause the game for a second before they got that whole thing settled. So that was weird. Uh, but then the game sort of proceeds after that point, and it's about five minutes left in the game, and they run a read option play. They run some read option plays earlier in the game, but this time they run it, and the botched this exchange is botched, so the ball comes loose, Mariota. Tries to hand it to Tyler Algier, the ball comes loose. Seattle recovers, and you know whether you want to blame it on Mariota, whether you want to blame it on Tyler Algier, it doesn't really matter whose fault it is. It basically can't happen. If you want to put it on Tyler Algier, then be my guest. But my point, and this is where I was at at this point, this was my breaking point where I was just like, "I it's it's done." Like bad luck seems to follow Marcus Mariota wherever he he goes. So I was at that breaking point. And so like, I've been trying to be diplomatic when it comes to the, the Mariota stuff, uh, you know, on this podcast, like the things that he does well and things he doesn't do, you know, like trying to be, you know, fair and balanced and all that stuff. And it's just like, at that point, I was just like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Just like, get, get him out of here. <laughs> get get rid of this guy. I don't, I don't care if it wasn't his fault or not. Just like, it's just like, get rid of this. I can't do this anymore. Um, and so fortunately for, for my sake, Mariota gets a saving grace from the Falcons' defense of all places because they had not been playing really all that well in this game. They were basically doing a lot of bending. Um, My good friend Dave showed of uh, the Falcoholic called him Old Celery. (laughs) A lot of bending but not breaking. They got some red zone stops. Uh, I think I will probably refer to them as Old Celery (laughs) for the remainder of the season. Um, (laughs) That cracked me up. But, like, you know, they they were not playing well defensively in this game really at all, but they, they came through late in this game. Lorenzo Carter got a, a sack to open that drive after the, the Mariota-Algier fumble, uh, but then Seattle started moving the ball. They had a 20-yard play to TJ Lockett. Uh, where he sort of found a soft spot in the Falcons zone and you're getting those feelings of like, OK, are we, we going to play the zone stuff? They're just going to eat part of our zone again. Then, you know, Rashad Penny had a 14 yard gain on a screen pass uh, that got the ball down to the Falcons 10. But fortunately for the Falcons, there was a holding call on that play and it was a legit call uh, by the refs. Uh, And that basically wiped out 24 yards for the Seahawks, the 14 yards plus the 10 yards that they moved it back. And that was huge for the Falcons. Then you had the two-minute warning. It's third and eight. Uh, Grady Jarrett knifes through the backfield, gets the Falcons – Second sack of the game that pushes them back 10 yards. It's fourth and 18. Geno Smith steps up in the pocket, but then he overthrows TJ Lockett. Richie Grant picks it off with a minute 17 left in the game. And basically the Falcons take over two runs by Patterson and they're in victory formation. And the Falcons walk away with their first W of 2022. So a lot of emotions. You know, the 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 Mariota coaster, whatever you want to call it, the Falcons coaster, whatever you want to call it. We were riding it throughout Sunday, but we, you know, it ended thrilling in, in thrilling fashion for the Falcons with the W. And we'll talk about the redeeming and rebound performances from guys like Kyle Pitts and AJ Terrell after, you know, s- struggling in the first two games uh, and sort of how those guys showed up. And we'll get into that as we continue today's episode guys. But before we get there, I want to tell you that today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, And I actually linked up with better help earlier this summer in August. And I've had several sessions of therapy and I highly recommend it for anybody who's looking for, to have conversations with someone who's going to help you navigate all of life's twists and turns as better help. Online therapy will assess your needs. They'll match you with your own license, professional therapist in less than 48 hours. I know for me, a big sticking point for me, who I wanted to talk to was another person of color. Uh, And BetterHelp came through with a litany of options for me. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. You can log on anytime and send a message to your therapist. You can do weekly video sessions like myself, uh, or you can do, you know, phone stuff, uh, phone chats and whatnot. And, And a big reason I finally signed up with BetterHelp was because it's a lot more affordable than traditional offline therapy. And you can also get financial aid availability. And I know that was a big sticking point for why I was hesitant to try therapy. But with BetterHelp, I'm thinking of that investment as basically an invested, investment in myself. So if you're looking to make a similar investment in yourself, head to the website and take advantage of this special offer. And you'll get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at Better H E L P. Dot com slash locked on. So, guys, uh, before we continue today's episode talking more about rebound performances for Kyle Pitts and AJ Terrell, I do want to remind you to subscribe to Locked on Falcons uh, on your preferred podcast platform, including on YouTube. We just broke 3,000 subscribers. Let's make that push to get to 4,000. So if you're checking us out on Locked on Falcons YouTube channel, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, Make sure you hit that bell. You give us a like. And if you're not checking us out on YouTube, why don't you open up YouTube on your phone or on your computer? And and hit that bell, hit that like, and give us all that love that we need here on Locked on Falcons. But uh, rebound performances for both Pitts and Terrell after two rough starts, as I mentioned earlier. Let's talk about Kyle Pitts. Officially ends the game with eight targets, five catches, 87 yards. Basically, the Falcons came into this game wanting to feed Kyle Pitts. Uh, So I I know a lot of fans were hoping and wanting to see that and been begging to see that for the last couple of games. And we got that in this game. First snap of the game is a design deep shot to Kyle Pitts. Mariota overthrows it. Uh, but then you get two plays later on the first third down of the game, they run an RPOs uh, and Pitts is able to convert on a slant. Uh, a couple of plays later, they dial up a tight end screen. Pitts gets 21 yards in that, and that puts the ball inside the five. Um, and then they try to get him the ball in the end zone on like a corner route. He's able to draw a defensive holding penalty on that play. Um, then you go to the second drive of the series um, and, or the second series of the game. I'm sorry. Um, And you get a 28-yard play to Kyle Pitts on a back shoulder throw. That sets up another red zone play that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, But the Falcons would eventually settle for three on that. And then the third series, you get a 19-yard gain on on Kyle Pitts on a a sort of a dig route over the middle. Uh, Then the fourth series of the game in the second quarter, they try to dial up some more deep shots to Pitts, but Mariota winds up overthrowing him, uh, and the Falcons have a three and out. And then I think Pitts only got one target in the second half, um, but it was like a conversion on a tight end screen. One of those late tight end screens that we were talking about where the Falcons were trying to salt away the game um, before that, you know, fumble slash botched exchange or whatever. Uh, but let's, let's go back to some of those red zone plays. Right. Right. There was one play in particular where Mariota sort of stared him down. Um, well, on the first series, let's go back to the first series. When they were looking, when Mariota was looking for pits on that corner route, the replay seemed to show that, you know, there was an open Zacchaeus over the middle fortunately for the Falcons they were able to run it in I think on the next play Mario was able to score on the very next play so they were able to get the seven points that they needed on that drive but you know I'll be curious to go back and look at that on the film uh then on the second series um it looked like when the Falcons settled for three Mariota sort of stared down Pitts cause he was double covered and missed an open Anthony Ferguson. And I'll be curious to go back and look at that on film. So, you know, it was one of those things where one of the th- things that people talked about all week long is like, you know, sometimes you just got to force feed pits the ball. And that was one instance where Mariota was looking to force pits the ball and probably should have come off of it uh, with him being doubled in that situation and finding somebody else. But uh, um, you know, let's talk about AJ Terrell, right. And it looked like in this game that they decided to put AJ Terrell shadowing uh, DK Metcalf. Most of the times I remember AJ Terrell in this game, it was, you know, lining up against DK Metcalf against, on either side of the field. Um, so I'll be curious to go back and see exactly how much the Falcons tried to shadow him in this game. Um, Metcalf did have some catches. Terrell did give up some catches. Uh, as we've mentioned many times before with A.J. Terrell and any cornerback in this league, it is part of the business. You're going to get beat from time to time, so it's not a, a huge deal. Uh, but Terrell did not give up a touchdown in this game, as far as I'm, con- I'm aware of, and had three pass breakups in the first half. Right Now, Metcalf did score a touchdown in the first half, half, but I feel like that was on Jalen Hawkins being late to cover him, um, in sort of finding that soft spot in their zone. I, I think we were playing cover three and there was a, a flat route that sort of drew Terrell, uh, underneath. And so he was kind of late trailing Metcalf and, and Hawkins needed to come over the top a little earlier than that. But, um, you know, Metcalf had about four catches on nine targets, uh, in the first half, including, uh, that touchdown, but then in the second half, they they kind of went away from him. And I think a lot of that was owed to A.J. Terrell. And I think Metcalf only had three targets and one catch in the second half. Um, and it basically switched to Lockett being their main guy in the second half. Uh, and he he seemed to be eating up a lot of their zone. But the, the Seahawks were kind of dinking and dunking a lot in the second half from what I could gather. And, um, you know, it, it was one of those things where, like, it, it was good to see both Pitts and Terrell have their big games again. I, I know, like you know, everybody was like, "Oh well, you know, we need to get Pitts the ball. We need to like yeah, like obviously the offense will be better the more we get the ball to Kyle Pitts. If we can do what we're doing with Drake London and all these other guys, um, you know, obviously the offense will benefit from getting the ball to Kyle Pitts, especially in the red zone. Uh, we still haven't been able to, to achieve that." Uh, but, you know, it does feel like Pitts is kind of opening up some of these opportunities for some of these guys. I'll be curious to see if we could go back and watch the film for AJ Terrell. And that's sort of what we'll close out today's episode, talking about some of the other things that I'll be focusing on, on on the film in, in addition uh, to Pitts and, and Terrell and, and Mariota in the red zone. So we'll get into that as we continue today's episode, guys. But before we get there, got to plug Locked On Sports Atlanta, which, of course, Locked On Falcons, just like Locked On Braves and Locked On Bulldogs and Locked On Hawks are part of. And Locked On Sports Atlanta has its own podcast feed, right? There's three shows on one feed. You got ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanisha Batiste. You got A to Z with Mark Zeno. You got Hit Hard with John Chukery. Um, And you can find all those shows talking about the local sports as well as national sports. Georgia, Georgia Tech, the Braves, the Bulldogs, right? The Hawks later on in the season, the NBA is right around the corner. So you can find all of that on the same podcast feed, Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcast. And if you check out Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube, you'll also have access to the Locked On Falcons and Locked On Braves we where Locked On Braves, as of course, Locked On Falcons, myself, Jarvis Davis of ATL Day Ones, are breaking out every Falcons win. You can check that out right now on Locked On Sports Atlanta On YouTube. So, subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So, speaking of that Locked On Sports Atlanta postcast, my co host Jarvis Davis uh, sort of expressed some interesting sentiments on that, um, talking about how the Falcons were able to sort of take care of business against a quote unquote lesser quarterback in Geno Smith and making Geno Smith look like the Geno Smith that we've known for most of his career outside of basically the games where he's played the Falcons and he nearly was able to come back on them today. And that sort of touches upon it, you know, gets me back to touch upon a topic I brought up a, a couple of times on this podcast when it, it comes to the Falcons and why they were able to quote unquote overachieve in 2021 versus underachieve in 2020. And I thought a lot of that had to do with the quality of the, quarterback competition and the example i often use was like in 2020 you know in the final minutes against the lions they were facing matt stafford and that was a much harder game and the falcons wound up blowing that game in the fourth quarter uh but in then 2021 they were facing tim boyle um and that was much easier task for the the Falcons to overcome and I think kind of similarly uh, against Geno Smith it did feel like this defense finally was able to to finish late in this game as they did in part due to the fact that Geno Smith is not a high-level quarterback and while that sounds like a nitpick that sounds like a criticism it's I don't mean it as such that's kind of what you want to see right you have to acknowledge that it's like yeah Geno Smith is not a high-level quarterback Jameis Winston you know uh, is for the most part, a good quarterback. We know Matt Stafford's a good quarterback, but when this team faces lesser competition, like a Geno Smith, like a Seahawks team led by a Geno Smith, you want to see if this defense can come through and they're supposed to come through, right? You want to see them get the stops in the fourth quarter against the Tim Boyles and, you know, you hope you want to see it against the Matt Staffords as well. But, you know, we know that that hasn't happened too often in recent history. And I think, you know, those are some of the expectations that you're hoping to see. And that was part of the reason why going into the season, Like I had predicted the Falcons to not only win this game against Seattle, but also to win next week's game against the Browns because I was looking at Jacoby Brissett and I was like, okay, well, the Falcons seem to manage, the defense seems to come through against these lesser quarterbacks. And we'll sort of see uh, if they can do that again, to build off of this one game uh, winning streak, if they can actually make it a winning streak by extending it to two games uh, against a Browns team that does look better than I think a lot of people thought they would look uh going into the season and you know i think some of that is owed to joe kobe Brissett being probably a little bit more efficient than people were expecting especially the last two games but really the main concern when you're facing this brown team is that running game and uh, you know i know sunday all not all sunday's games have been fully calculated but uh at least going into sunday and it seems like based off what i've seen coming out of sunday they are the number one rushing offense in the nfl uh, and so that's going to be the main challenge for the Falcons. And they did not really do a lot in the Seattle game to really give you a ton of confidence that they'll be able to up for that challenge. They gave up 112 rushing yards to the Seahawks. Um, and, and we know that this Browns offensive line and running game is, you know, n- no offense to Rashad Penny and and DJ Dallas and, and all those guys. But, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt seem to be on on a different level. Uh, than what Seattle has. So uh, that's going to be one of the things I'm curious to go back and, and watch the film of and sort of see how and why they were getting gash. Was it the guys up front? Was it the, them playing soft boxes? What, you know, was it poor tackling, poor run fits? So that's going to be something I'm going to be focused on in this game. But I'm sitting here thinking right now, I'm like – I don't think the Falcons, you know, it seemed early in the game that the Falcons were playing a lot of nickel in some of those soft boxes. And I just don't know if they can get away with that against this Browns front. They're going to have to play base this entire game, in my humble opinion. And that probably means that they're going to have to ask Richie Grant to play nickel cornerback for them and go up against David Bell, uh, who I think is the Browns' main slot receiver, because I just cannot see them playing these soft nickel fronts and, and being expecting to, to be able to stop that running offense. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, so, that will be something I'll focus on. Uh, You know, maybe they can run some four, three under fronts or something like that, but we'll, we'll see. Um, But you know, the other thing I'll focus on, on the film, you know, coming up is sort of the explosive plays. You know, how much of that was like Kyle Pitts creating opportunities for other guys like we've seen in these first two games, which is why, you know, Arthur Smith is kind of, push back against the idea of like we gotta force feed Kyle Pitts the ball. He's opening up opportunities. So I'm I'm curious to see if why this offense was especially explosive today. Was it just hey Seattle's defense is undisciplined and bad, or is it were they doing something creative on offense, uh, to to create those opportunities uh, for this team? So that will be something obviously as I mentioned earlier, the red zone stuff will be focused on Pitts, will be focused on Terrell, you know, was Mariota as bad on film as he looked at times, particularly in the red zone live, that'll be something I'll focus on. So if you guys have other things that you want me to key in on when I watch the film this week, of course, you know, I welcome your feedback. Of course you can hit me up at locked Falcons at com as the email address on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at lockdown Falcons. You can leave a comment here on the lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. And of course, if you don't know, we have, a discord guys uh, where you can sign up there. There should be a link in the description below as well as you can find pinned uh, to the top of my Twitter account. Uh, so if you submit questions there, you know, you'll get an opportunity uh, to submit those questions there, but um, that's it guys. You know, not a whole lot to say about the win, you know, just like, Hey, this is the Falcons team that we wanted to see an explosive offense featuring all their playmakers, Patterson with the big day, London with the big day Pitts with the big day, Grady Jarrett coming through for them. AJ Terrell coming through for them. Hey, and Richie Grant making that game ceiling interception, as well. So that's what you wanted to see from this team this year. You want to see those, the handful of stars that we have show up each and every Sunday. And I think they did in in Seattle. And I think that's a big reason why the Falcons were able to walk away from a win. So we'll see if that continues uh, the rest of this season. We'll see if that continues against uh, probably a tougher Browns opponent this weekend, but uh, we'll see if they can build upon this uh, and, and carry some momentum Uh, when they return home uh, to face the Browns next week. But we'll have you covered, of course. Tomorrow we'll be joined by Will McFadden of the Believe in Falcons podcast as well as the Falcoholic to recap his thoughts on this game. I know he was expecting this to be a blowout. We'll sort of see what he saw on this game. And then later in the week, of course, we'll be joined by uh, Locked on Browns to preview week four. And then Jarvis will be coming back on later in the week as well. Uh, And, of course, we'll have our All-22 review on wednesday um for the audio and tuesday evening for the video so if you want to submit your uh, film related uh questions and feedback by all means you know get those in as early as possible on the preferred platform sorry can't talk uh that you want so guys that will do it for us here um good win for the falcons i'm glad we finally got one of these again as i said at the top of the show i don't know how many we're going to get so i will cherish you know this victory monday coming up uh because i don't know if we're going to have a billion of these we we'll, we'll, we should get a few as the season unfolds but uh you know it may be a, a while you know this browns game you know we'll see but uh yeah we'll we'll just sort of see how that all goes guys i really appreciate it until then